Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. So the quarterfinals of Euro 2020 is over and we have our semi-finalists in Italy, Spain, England and Denmark. Spain kept their nation on the edge of their seats. Italy managed to silence Belgium's golden generation. Denmark's impressive form has continued and could it be that England finally have a decent goalkeeper? Chatting about all of this ahead of the semi-finals is our own Alejandro Diago. How are things, Ale? How are things? We are nervous for the semi-final tomorrow, but... Happy to be here in the podcast and let's talk a little about Spain and see if they have any chances to advance to the to the final. Most definitely. And we are also joined by Alex Mott. How's things? Hey, guys. Yeah, I'm uh, equally as nervous about Wednesday, but um, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm doing well. Good. Right. Let's kick things off with Spain then. Um, Alejandro, we've seen, I think it's safe to say, the good, the bad and the ugly um, at Euro 2020 from your nation. Overall, how have you felt about them in this tournament? Uh, I'm thinking that it's been a feeling of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde during the Euro, <laughs> to be honest. No, 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 because at the beginning, I wasn't trusting so much in the team. I recognize I, was, I wasn't the first one who, who was saying, we are going to win the Euros. No, no, I was saying the opposite. I was saying, uh, we only arrived to the eight finals, but... Uh, as the tournament has advanced, uh, uh, the, the, my, my feeling to Luis Enrique and the team, it has changed and now they have shut up my mouth completely and now they deserve the right to fight for everything in Europe. I know that now we are facing a game against Italy that is going to be tough, but this is football and it all can happen in 90 minutes. Very true. I mean... Um... <laughs> Obviously, you guys played Switzerland in the quarterfinal. And Alex, looking at Switzerland, you know, they did well to hang on until extra time. Um, and to have got so far in the competition, you know, they deserve some respect, don't they? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think it's probably probably fair to say that they grew into the tournament. Um, mm. You know, they were pretty underwhelming against a poor Welsh side, I'd say. And then got, you know, totally outplayed by Italy in the second game. Um they beat Turkey to qualify, but I think probably everyone would have beaten Turkey at the Euros <laughs> this year. Um, but anyway, yeah, it was the France game where everyone's perceptions about them changed, really. And I think they they obviously took that confidence into this game. And um, I guess it, if it wasn't for the red card and some poor penalties, then they probably could have made a semi-final, which is far beyond any expectations that I certainly had for them before the tournament, for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I, um, I, I love the... I love a story like this when you kind of, I don't even want to think about what I said in the One Football YouTube prediction <laughs> about Switzerland. I probably just said that they had no chance and yeah. I am definitely, you know, eating my words now. Um, I think everyone is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, hats off to Switzerland's Jan Sommer as well in this tournament. I mean, Alejandro, overall, he's been pretty great, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Really, Spaniards, they knew him during the last Nations League where he was the best player of Switzerland, in my opinion. And he was the nightmare when Spain shot penalties. In fact, I remember he was able to save a penalty kick from Sergio Ramos. So uh, that means how how quality he has. And now he has done, he has done a wonderful tournament. And I think he's been one of the best, the best goalkeepers of the competition. Even I think if it's he has been the best in my opinion. Mm, yeah, I mean he's definitely done uh, done his career no harm, has he? <laughs> And also, uh, you know, looking at the game, um, 
Remo Feller, of course, saw red. Alex, any complaints about that? Uh, no, no, not for me. I think um, he's obviously tried to make up for his bad touch, but you can't go sliding in on someone like that. I, I heard a, saw a few things on Twitter, people complaining about the red, but for me, that's yeah, that was pretty clear. As, as bad as it was for Switzerland, it ch- totally changed the game and they had to try and shut it down and play for penalties. But uh, no, that was, a, that was a definite red for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, Alejandro, obviously you were supporting Spain, but had it not been for the red card and maybe injuries and suspensions and things like that, do you think it maybe could have ended differently because they did look good at times? Yeah, the only difference I would think it would have changed the game maybe is that if Granit Xhaka had participated in it. Uh, the thing is that Switzerland, they didn't have the best men creating troubles for Spain and and, and it, it changed the game completely. Spain knew it. Spain had a, an, oxy, an oxygen, uh, an oxygen bottle to breathe and take and take a breath and take a breath away, and they managed uh, during the game to qualify. But to be honest, even if it's Switzerland, they will have had uh, all of the men fit, including Granit Xhaka. The result will, be, will have been the same: a victory for Spain. Because when it comes to individual quality, Spain is a step ahead of Switzerland. In players, for example, like Thiago Alcantara, Busquets, Pedri, Marcos Llorente, even Azpilicueta, they are players that they are they making a difference in their teams. So that is the thing that Spain can can deal with in this Euro. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, lo- looking at the game overall, um, well, looking at the penalties overall, both sides had a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> there were a few penalties that were missed. Alex, which one was the worst for you? I uh, mean, I think, it's hard well, because for me, I feel like the bus gets one, it, it shocked me. So for me, okay. that was kind of more... Why did it shock you? I don't know. I just I just look at him and think he's the leader. He's. I, I don't know why I was so confident in his penalty-taking skills, but for some reason, I just thought he was going to bury it and he just didn't I mean that happen, that one was it? pretty bad I'll be honest but the worst one for me head and shoulders was the Fabian Scher one I, mm. I will never ever understand why a player who isn't a regular penalty taker for club or country doesn't just take a long run up and smash it as hard as hard as they can but instead he tried to sort of outwit the goalkeeper with a like a you know sort of stuttered run up and I think when you're a centre-back for Newcastle that probably isn't the best idea so um, yeah and he put it at a really good height for Unai Simon so yeah Fabian Scher for me I thought I uh, thought that was a terrible point. I agree to be fair they, they were all pretty bad. <laughs> Alejandro, all bad. Yeah, Alejandro did you have a, a favourite worst one or you, you just couldn't look at that point? <laughs> I couldn't look at that point to be honest. I, when it comes when it comes to a critical moment, I, I I even I don't want to see nothing. Yeah, <laughs> completely understandable. <laughs> I was the same with Manchester United's uh, Europa League final uh, penalty shootout, and that's all I'm going to say mm. on that matter because <laughs> I have still not recovered. Um, it was such a shame because obviously Ruben Vargas was in tears at full time. He blasted that penalty over the bar. Um, but Alejandro, it was a nice touch of sportsmanship, wasn't it, that Thiago went over to him and, you know, had a little chat with him and stuff? For sure, really. We've seen Thiago Alcantara. He's one of the players who has most human quality on the team. Mm. And I think every team from Bayern Munich and Liverpool will spoke nothing but good words and good deeds about him. So the moment he went to kill the sadness from Ruben Vargas, it reveals 
the human quality of Tiago and how how such a good person he seems to be. Yeah, definitely. It was I I I really like seeing things like that because as much as everyone was happy for Spain to see them celebrating, you know, I I can't imagine the pressure that comes with taking a penalty. I would be very <laughs> ill. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> um, I mean, Alex, Unai Simon got star of the match, man of the match, whatever we're calling it. Yeah. We saw David De Gea not too long ago having quite a tough time for Spain and quite a tough time from the media. Were you worried for Simon watching that penalty shootout before it happened, paired with some of the other slip-ups that he's had? Because this was really, if that didn't go the way it was, it went... I dread to think what would have been said about yeah. him. Yeah, uh, do you know what? I, I wasn't actually because I, I mean, obviously that mistake he made against Croatia was bad, but I think you know it partly wasn't his fault. The back pass was pretty wild. From was it Pedri? I think did, did the back pass in the Croatia game. Mm. But I think the way he bounced back from that probably says more about his character than you know the the initial mistake ever could really. And I, and I think that for Luis Enrique to just consistently pick him ahead of De Gea shows you how much confidence that, that he has in him so no I, I wasn't I really wasn't that worried about him to be honest I thought he had a pretty good game all told and um, and yeah he made although the penalties weren't great he still had to save them so no I think he's um He's been one of the, the surprises for me, actually, for Spain. I didn't, I didn't know a huge amount about him going into the tournament, but um, he's, yeah, he's been really, really impressive for this, for this whole tournament, really. I think. Yeah, I agree. I think he. Uh, I was the same as you. I didn't really have much knowledge about him going into this tournament, um, and as much as. I'm always going to root for my man, David Haye. I'm I'm happy to see, because nobody else that supports Man United does seem to root <laughs> yeah, for him. So true, I'm yeah. a one-man band here. So, <laughs> But yeah, definitely um, happy to see uh, Simon, you know, having a good game. And he came out of those penalties on the other side. Um, now, in both the Croatia game and the Switzerland game, Spain were in front. They ended up ruining the lead. Spain had 28 shots in total against Switzerland, according to my statistics, and 10 were on target. Spain have had 69 more attacks than any other team in the tournament and more corners. Alejandro, what's the major issue here? What do you think? think... And do you think they're being a little bit wasteful and maybe lacking that ruthlessness? The problem of Spain and I'm seeing during these last games and even before the Euros is that there is no man who can create danger with shots on the attacking area when Spain goes uh, to, to the attack. Uh, and this is one of the weaknesses of Spain during the semi-final. It can be uh, facing Italy because they will have in front a team that they will try to hurt you in the first attacking chance they have because we know how Italy plays, we know how Italian football it is. And one thing they like to do is the counter-attack. So they have one chance they can score you a goal. And if they score you a goal, Italy, you have a problem. So if Spain, if, if Spain wants to have a chance to advance to the semi-final, to the final, sorry, we need to minimise these weaknesses. 100%. I mean, as a a kind of neutral watching the game, that, that was what kind of came to my mind. But I mean, Alex, how strange is it that Spain are actually the top scorers in the competition, but they seem to have a real lack of a strong goal scorer, yeah, really? Yeah, I, I don't want to disagree with Ale here, and I do think that they are a world-class goal scorer away from being like a properly brilliant international team. But surely how many goals they've scored. I know they've done a lot of attacking, as Angelina just said there, with the stats. 
I know they have done a lot of attacking, but they are the top goal scorers. And they, you know, Sarabia's had a relatively decent tournament. So is Ferran Torres, so is Dani Olmo. And I think that it sort of shows that they've got a lot of like collective attacking talent. Mm. And yeah, I think they've been, they have been good at all tournament really. Maybe apart from um, the first game and a little bit of that Switzerland game, they sort of looked a bit rudderless going forward. But um I think they've sort of those other attackers have sort of helped carry the load that Morata couldn't manage on his own. Really, I think, um, yeah, I think they've done pretty well. But yeah, like I say, they are like a properly world class goal scorer away from being properly truly brilliant. And maybe maybe that is where they'll come unstuck against Italy in, um, in tomorrow's game. Yeah, I, I I agree with you on that one. I mean, Alejandro, what's your take? on the goal-scoring situation, on the Alvo Morato situation. I mean, I know there's been talk that apparently his family were getting <laughs> trolled or something or, or sent messages, I'm not too sure. And how has Gerard Moreno been disappointing for you? Or despite the form that he's had, you didn't really expect that much anyway? Uh, for the record, I didn't want Morata in the Euro team and I'm not a fan of him as a starter. That's for the report. <laughs> okay. But to be honest, I need to recognize him, how brave he is on the pitch and how Morata works for the team and he gives many things. Uh, Luis Enrique, he always praises Alvaro for their for his performances on the pitch and I think he's, he's a bit right. And about Gerard Moreno, he has been the best scorer this season for Spain, but I think... He arrived so tired after a, long, after a long season, let's think. He has completed more than 50 games before the Euro. Mm. So that can hurt to the performance in the tournament, and we are seeing it. Yeah, de- definitely. I mean, that was kind of my thought process. I was very excited to see Moreno, um, especially after watching his team crush mine. Um, I was looking forward to, to, seeing it, uh, to seeing him play, and... I've been a little bit disappointed, but at the same time, I totally get where you're coming from with with that. Um, I mean, Alex, you kind of touched on it, but do you think that people are maybe focusing too much on Morata and Moreno? And if anything, like you say, they should applaud the fact that they're still scoring goals and finding them some way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, how often does relying on one main goal score work in tournaments, really? Like... Just look at Belgium or Portugal during the Euros. Like even though their main guys, Ronaldo and Lukaku, have like performed very well and scored a lot of goals, if the rest of the attack of the attack like isn't taking up the slack, then it's not going to work. So, I think, yeah, like I said, Spain are like a world class goal scorer away from being amazing, but you know the other guys have taken up that slack and have got them here. So. Um, yeah, I think I think you. Do. I would rather prefer to focus on the positives, really, rather than the uh, Murata negatives. I've got to say. Yeah, I agree. I mean, <laughs> listen, it's it's good to at least, and I mean, we'll get on to this, but at least you know the fact that Spain have had you, Alejandro, on the edge of your seats. I mean, for you, it's probably not been enjoyable, but for everybody else to see, you know, such exciting games, at least whatever happens, you know. You guys have, you know, you've played your hearts out, really, I guess. And um, and I'm really excited to see what Spain do bring to the table. And and I'm I'm glad that after, you know, the first performance that was a little bit rocky, I'm, I'm glad that they've managed to turn it around. Um, I mean, moving on to one of the other quarterfinal games, um, Belgium versus Italy. Of course, Italy have gone through and will be facing Spain, which, like I say, we'll talk about in a bit. Um but, you know, it was one exhilarating football game to another. Alejandro, this game wasn't necessarily a goal fest. It was more of a, like a battle almost. Do you think that this was arguably the highest quality game so far in the tournament? 
uh, it's difficult to say because in this tournament we have seen many many quality games especially this uh, eighth final day when we have the croatia spain game and the france switzerland game so that was i think that is the peak of this euro but this one it was a very good game game between two very brave teams that they competed until the last second and it was so nice to see both teams and it was an note for, for, for football that had everything. Goals, drama, penalties, BAR polemics. <laughs> we can ask for more. Exactly. <laughs> what more do you want at the end of the day? Um, I mean, it was a great chance for Italy to display just how well-rounded they are across the pitch, really. It's about 32 games now without a defeat. Alex, how impressive are this team um, in your perspective? Yeah, I, I mean, they're incredible, really. I thought... I thought they looked good going into the tournament, but I really, I really didn't expect it to mm. go quite like this. To be honest, I mean, like like you just said there, Angelina, they are such a well-rounded team all over the pitch, and like they don't have a single weakness in their squad really, let alone their first eleven, which um, which I think they proved on Friday. They're they're a brilliant team, and they're they're so good to watch. They're just excellent defensively. They've got great midfields. Um, they're just they're scoring great goals, lots of goals. They're um, they've got a really good coach. Yeah, they're the they're the complete package, really. So, yeah, they're the I think they're the team to beat going going into the final four, and they've they've looked incredible since since day one. They really have, and they also have a very fashionable manager. I must add. <laughs> I mean, he's looking sharp, um, and it's so funny. Like I've got you know. Um, family friends that are Italian that maybe aren't, aren't the biggest football fans, but said, oh, you know, Euros, Italy are in it. What do you reckon? And I was like, yeah, you know what? They, they might be all right. And then as the games have carried on, I'm like, listen, you need to get on that bandwagon as yeah. soon as possible because <laughs> things are looking pretty good. Yeah, they are, really are. I mean, um, Alejandro, what did you make of the, the two goals from Italy as well? Because they were both pretty great, weren't they? Uh, well, in the first one, it was one intelligent uh, uh, foul foul play. It, it was a very intelligent way to to play a foul. And another another goal that may, it remarks the importance of how important it is to play the stop balls in football. And I I always remember Argentine, the Argentinian coach in Russia that 2018 that he said that the the, ball, the the fouls, the corners, they didn't make goals, so it's curious. But and and the other ones, it's an image of how this Italy is a very competitive Italy, a very competitive team, and that they are the image the image of a team that uh, that they have done a wonderful tournament and Italy that is trying to improve their style, coping in a way how Spain played during this golden era between two thousand and eight and two thousand and twelve. And creating sense with an attack that is wonderful. This Immobile, Insigne, really, you cannot ask more from them. I I agree. I mean, speaking of one of those players, um, Sergio Immobile's dramatics, shall we say. <laughs> Alex, what did you make of that? Because I know the English press have really yeah. taken this and ran. Specifically, shout out to Alan Shearer, because he is not a happy bunny. Yeah. Um, what did you make of it? I think if it was happening against my team, I'd probably call it cheating. Yeah. And I think if it was happening for my team, I'd call it gamesmanship. Um, and I think, <laughs> I think me personally, I'm probably somewhere in the middle, really. I mean, it's not ideally what you'd want to see on the pitch every week, but it, it really doesn't wind me up like it does some people. It, I mean, it's it's I sort of find it quite funny, really. It's it just is what it is. A player's got to 
players got to do within reason to win the game and he was trying to win his team a penalty it was just funny that they happened to score a few seconds afterwards I think um yeah I think Alan Shearer should um try and move on if he can to be perfectly honest yeah exactly I think he just <laughs> needs to take a breather I think the competition's <laughs> yeah. got to him bless him and he just he yeah. needs five minutes yeah. <laughs> Alejandro, would you say, I know this is tough because obviously Spain will face them, but would you say that they are the favourites now to win this competition? Mm, yeah, for sure, really. They have they have three years to develop an idea of play, a plan, and now they are executing it perfectly. Really, for Italy, the failure of not, of not qualifying for the World Cup of Russia made a milestone on Italian football, and now they are trying to heal that bound, and what a better way to do it than, than winning the Euro. Definitely. I mean, it, England aside, it would be, you know, there are, you, you wouldn't, if you didn't have a team in the competition still, you wouldn't be mad at seeing them win, I feel. Because um, no, I feel like, yeah, they've been through a lot. They, they deserve it, but they don't deserve it because England and Spain are still in it. <laughs> so um, talking about Belgium now. Alex, how frustrating was it watching Belgium, especially in that second half? Because they seem to have so many chances and it just yeah. wasn't happening. I mean, if I was Belgian, I'd have been tearing my hair out, I think. Um, it, it, and it probably does sum up their past few tournaments, really, doesn't it? Like, they look good in most aspects of their play, but are t lacking that, like, real, real cutting edge when it matters. And I've been really impressed with Lukaku, and I think he's been excellent all season and all summer. But... And, and I know he wasn't the main culprit with these missed chances, but um, yeah, they just when they needed that, you know, just that extra extra quality when it when it mattered, they just they didn't have it. And yeah, it was um, it was very very frustrating and, and sums up yeah probably their last six to eight years of uh, this golden generation to be honest. Most definitely, I mean, like <laughs> you say, you would have been tearing your hair out, would but have, yeah. Um, Alejandro, looking at Belgium now, they did look good playing on the break. In the end, do you think that their defence just let them down? Or would you say more that the fact that they couldn't create, you know, transform those chances into goals? Where do you think the blame lies? Or if, if it lies on, on one part of the pitch or not? I think the problem of Belgium during this Euro has been the, the defence, really. They have a defence that if we check the defence that uh, the one they used to play with Italy, they have Toby Alderweidel, uh, Jan Bertongen and a guy who plays in Japan like Thomas Pellin. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, that 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 sums up everything really. They have a, a guy who is who is now on on the on the last days of, of his career, Thomas Bermaelen as the starting uh, centre back on on a quarter final of a Euro and that with a team that when you are competing against a team that has Insigne, Immobile and Chiesa on attack. Mm, that's a problem, but if because if you if you see the other lines, they have they have quite talented players. They have uh, in the in the midfield, they have Menier, they have Axel Witzel, they have Yannick Carrasco, that is a wonderful player and he has com he has completed a wonderful season in in Atletico Madrid. They also have uh, De Bruyne and and Lukaku, but the problem is the 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 defense. Mm. It it didn't look the, the the strongest I'll be honest I was a little bit concerned for uh, some of the OAPs I'll be honest um, <laughs> I mean Alex is it over now for this golden generation of Belgian players was this their last real chance or do you think that they are going to 
cling on for dear life until Qatar 2022, or is it simply time to give up and rebuild? Um, well, the World Cup is only 18 months away. True. Which, uh, when, I, when you say it out loud, is a bit scary. But um, I, think, I think they probably do have one more chance in them. And this really is like one, one more chance. Um, but I think a lot of it for me has to come down to Martinez. Um, I, uh, the defence is definitely a problem. And when you look at, look at their squads, there's, no, there's not like a really young centre-back coming through who can... You know, replace Vertonghen or replace Alvarez. There's Dedrick Boyata, but like he's coming up to thirty now. There's Jason Denier. He's like twenty six, twenty seven. There's not like an eighteen, nineteen, or twenty year old who you, who you can look at and think, yeah, that person's going to replace the the old man at the back. But yeah, like, I I personally think that Martinez probably has to go. I don't think he's done enough for this team. I think Mancini got the better of him on Friday and. Um, sort of affected the game the way that, that Martinez just didn't. And, yeah, I think if Belgium really are to make that final step, it would give one last chance that they have, then they need a coach who has better game management and, and who can affect things with subs, I think. And that, that for me, isn't Martinez. Uh, I would agree with you on that one. Alejandro, do you think that Roberto Martinez will still be in charge or do you think it's time for him to hit the exit door? I think he will be in charge. He will continue with Belgium and he will respect his contract until the end of uh, Qatar 2022 World Cup. Uh, he has got a team. He has made a, 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 a skeleton of players that it's a team. It's, a, it's the team of, of Belgium. And he will try one, one less dance in Qatar. But after Qatar, that will be another history. And I think after Qatar, Roberto Martinez will see him go uh, training in maybe one of the top leagues or... Let's see how Spain ends the situation after after the Euros and the and the Qatar World Cup. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens and what decisions they decide to make. Because if you think, yeah, this is going to be our kind of last dance, um, then <laughs> you know, do we need to just keep things as they are or switch the manager up or is it not the last dance? Was this the last dance? Who knows? But. Um, Alex, do you think it's safe to say that perhaps when you look back over the years that we have seen this Belgium team, um, that maybe they have not made the most of the talent that they have had? So, I mean, 100%. I think you could make a very good argument to say they came into this tournament with the Premier League's best player and Serie A's best player. Yeah. Um, and when you say that, then, of course, they've underachieved. But... I mean, I don't want to repeat what Ale just said. He's absolutely right. Before the defense is just a huge problem. There, they're brilliant going forward, but yeah, when you've got Vamal and Alderweireld and Vertonghen as your three centre backs in twenty twenty one, something is is totally wrong. And and Martins clearly knew that, which is why he went with the three at the back. And you know, because he knew that they were going to get caught. They they have no pace, um, and that took away like a lot of their attacking intent, uh, especially like in in the first half. So. Um, yeah, they they've underachieved massively, and yeah, they, they've been a they've been a disappointment for sure. I I agree. I mean, one there's one player, you know, in uh, in Jeremy Doku. He became the youngest player to ever play a major tournament knockout stage match for Belgium, with 19 years and 36 days to be precise, and was the first teenager to win a penalty at the Euros since our own Wayne Rooney for England yeah. against France in 2004. <laughs> um. Alejandro, do you think that a player like Jeremy Doku is a good 
beacon of hope for the future for Belgium. Totally, really, totally. If Belgium wants to to dream big in the future, they have they need to join their hopes to the ones of Jeremy Doku. Uh, he has come from a football program that is one of the most interesting in Europe, the one from Stade René in France, and now there are big teams following their steps. So let's see how how where where does he end in in the, in, in this summer or in the future. But really, I think the future of Belgium is Jeremy Doku. Definitely. He was one of the players that I was really excited to see at the tournament. Um, w- one player that um, I, I was concerned about was Eden Hazard, who, of course, got injured. Um, he didn't really manage to impress, in my opinion, anyway. I mean, looking at this Belgium team, Alex, do you think it's safe to say that out of all of the talented players that they do have, as well as the old defenders, um, would you say that Romelu Lukaku was the only one that could could walk away from this tournament pretty much content with his performances in that he gave his all? Or do you think there are others that can walk away like that? I, I think De Bruyne as well. I think he was he missed the first game and then came on. He started the second game against Denmark. No, he came on in the second half against Denmark and, and just totally changed the game. Um, but yeah, Lukaku would be would be the one that for me that can have, have his head held high. I think he's gone from strength to strength since, since joining Inter, and, and yeah, he looked impressive again on Friday. Like within the first minute, he turned Chiellini, and it looked like it might be a long night for the Italian defence. I mean, obviously they regrouped and managed to sort of keep a lid on his performances partly. But um, yeah, I think generally Lukaku's been excellent, and and if Belgium are to sort of do anything in the next tournament, then they're going to need Lukaku to to keep up this amazing form that he's, that he's had all season, really. And then on Hazard, yeah, it's been so unfortunate for him, really. I, I don't know what's happened at Real Madrid. I don't know what they've done to him, but he just <laughs> doesn't doesn't look like uh, the player he was in England. So. Yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, I didn't really expect much of him in this tournament, and yeah, he didn't didn't pr- produce much either. So, yeah, another uh, another yeah disappointing tournament for him, mm. I'm afraid. Alejandro, do you have any insight as to what Real Madrid <laughs> I'm, have I'm, done? I'm no. To, <laughs> I'm not going to talk any minute about Eden Hazard. Really, I promise myself, and I don't and I and I and I don't want to break that promise. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> that is absolutely fine. I respect your decision, and I can I can understand where you're coming from. But luckily, you you won't have to see him until pre-season now, <laughs> so you're all right. But um, but yeah, I mean, a, a big uh, commiserations to Belgium, but. You know, a massive congratulations to Italy. Looking at one of the other quarterfinal games, Czech Republic against Denmark. Um, Denmark's had an emotional journey at Euro 2020. It's kind of, you know, they're kind of everybody's, uh, well, not not my second team anymore going into the next game, but, um, you know, kind of like everybody's second team in a way. Um, and, you know, things have continued. They're now in the semifinals. Alejandro, how impressive has their story been for you? Really, it's been the fairy tale. The, the 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 team that loses one of the of of his most important players in in the first game, and the way the way they suffer with him, and how they recover from that uh, punch of football. How they uh, say on the last game, we are here, we're going to fight. How they present on the eight finals and they win, and now how they arrive to the semi final twenty nine years after. Uh, the last their the last presence on 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 this on these states so now uh, they only need to dream they only need to dream and and fly 
definitely. I mean, Alex, how much does this result even prove this team's kind of intelligence and strength to have come so far considering how things, you know, began? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're exactly right. It's um, it's astonishing, really. And I think not obviously the Ericsson incident was, was shocking and horrible for everyone involved, but I think people seem to forget that they lost their second game as well. Mm. Um, and no one has ever reached the semi-finals having got zero points after two games. So I think, you know, that Russia game, the third game where they, where they won 4-1 was just a real, like, shot in the arm for them. Um, and they've sort of carried on the momentum since then, really. So... Yeah, they've been um, they've been amazing. The sort of everyone's second team, really. I mean, if they weren't playing England on Wednesday, I'd be cheering them on. Um, they've been yeah, they've been a real real breath of fresh air for this tournament, hundred percent. They have. I mean, their manager. I'm going to attempt to pronounce his name, but my apologies. I'm going with Casper Holmand. My apologies again <laughs> if I've said that wrong, because we all know Angelina loves to mispronounce things. Um, he said that he would have rather faced the Netherlands than the Czech Republic because they were the first opponents in the tournament that could match Denmark's intensity. Alejandro, do you think that was the case on the night? I don't know. Maybe the Czech Republic. They they were pre- they they did a great performance for the quarterfinals and they fight until the last second. But I think that uh, maybe maybe Casper Hillman said said it because he wanted to make this this typical uh, this typical talk between the the Dutch and the Danish people to improve it a little bit more because uh, Denmark and the Netherlands they have they have had many rivalries and many. And many important games went to each other. Uh, to be honest, we need to remember that uh, one of the teams they eliminate in the way to get the championship in the '92 it's the Netherlands. So I think it's just something that of this trust talk rather than uh, than the case that a Czech Republic was was less intense than the Netherlands. Yeah, I, I get what you mean there. I mean the the Czechs were not on their A game. You know, they'd only conceded two of the goals in the tournament. And with this in mind, Alex, how frustrating was it, that first goal that they let in and the fact that, you know, set pieces are also kind of supposed to be a strength of theirs? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they are supposed to be. But yeah, it was a real lapse of concentration on their part, wasn't it? And I think when you're playing in the last day of, of a major tournament, one slip up like that can be enough to, to kill you, really. And it was, I think... Just to let Thomas Delaney waltz in like that and get a free header is um, is criminal, to be honest. So, and you could see afterwards on, in the slow motion replays how disappointed the Czechs were with that defending. So, yeah, they'll be extra disappointed because they're, they were supposed to be good at set pieces, defending and attacking. And yeah, so to so to go out with a goal like that, yeah, must be uh, must be sickening, really. Definitely. I I mean, Alejandro, do you think this was just a case of the Czech Republic have gone as far as they could in the competition regarding their quality? Or do you think that they kind of let themselves down and should have won the game? Uh, no, I think I think what you said what you said first. This is the case that Czech Republic they have gone so far as they could in the competition. Really, we are talking about the Czech Republic that they don't have a a striker of a star that it shines over Europe like other teams. For example, they don't have one Kevin De Bruyne or they don't have one uh, one player that is uh, one of the top ten pl- top three players in his, in his position in the world. They have made important. They have made an important thing that they have been a very good team. They have been a very strong and very co- a cohesionated team, and they and they have said let's arrive until we until uh, until we can. 
and they arrived to the quarterfinals and they were even close to, to reach the semifinals. So I think that was a good competition for Czech Republic after, after all that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Alex, they can still walk away with their heads held high, especially after, you know, that win over the Netherlands. That can definitely, you know, keep them warm at night. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think they've been a really good example to other uh, medium-sized nations, really, if that's that's not too disparaging to them. Mm. Um, I think they've got they've got a solid core of about four or five players who are, who are excellent. And then you can see the rest of them do their job. They're very well coached. Like Everyone knows their job. And, and more often than not, they've, they've executed the plans really, really well. I mean, obviously, Saturday wasn't really the case, especially with that set piece early on. But I think generally they've been... They've been really excellent, and they, you know, they never like looked in doubt of going out in the group stages. They, they looked, they looked like the second best team in that group, and yeah, they and they were brilliant against the Netherlands. So yeah, they, I think there's there's definitely more to come from them. I, I would expect them to be to be in sort of the knockout rounds of of tournaments going forward in the future for sure. I hope so because they they've been great to watch. Alejandro, after that win against the Netherlands, you know, we've kind of touched on it a little bit, talking about the game, but were you expecting a little bit more from them against Denmark? Were you feeling a little bit underwhelmed by them? Maybe a little, but uh, let's 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 focus on what uh, what we have been talking before. Uh, Czech Republic, they don't have a start, they don't have a top 10 players in the world, and they are, they are a team that they made their, their progress in this World Cup of forcing the rivals to 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 put in the situations they don't like and the Denmark was very intelligent that they exploded one of the of the problems of this Czech Republic team that it was the dead ball situations and and Denmark they they got the, the one of the two goals from that situation so that means how how Denmark were able to disconnect Czech Republic for this game yeah i i agree i mean Looking at um, Patrick Schick for a moment, you know, scored his fifth goal. He's level with Cristiano Ronaldo in the race for the Golden Boot. I'm sure Ronaldo was not best pleased about that, sat on his yacht. Um, do you think it will end maybe, Alex, in those two sharing the award? Or I know in previous years they've done it based on how many minutes the players played. So yeah, maybe yeah. Ronaldo would win it because yeah. he played less minutes. Or do you think there's somebody else that's going to <laughs> score more, i.e. Well, Harry Kane? <laughs> I, well, before Saturday night, I I think, uh, yeah, it might have been a shared award between Schick and Ronaldo, but... I think now that Kane's got scored three in two games, I'm going to uh, tentatively say that perhaps he might get six by the end of the tournament. Um, I certainly hope so, anyway. But um, but yeah, Schick's been superb all tournament, really, and just just really played off that momentum that he got with that amazing first goal against Scotland. I think he's um, he's a really he's had a bit of an up and down career. You know, he went to Roma as like the next big thing and, and struggled there, but he's yeah he's sort of found his place in Germany now, and I think. Um, yeah, he's an excellent, excellent all-round striker. Really, would be um, who, I, who I actually think would work really well in England. I'd be interested to see if any uh, any English clubs may be going for him this summer. But um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what happens. I mean, speaking um, of him, Alejandro, in the first half we saw him a little bit quieter, I would say. And how good were Denmark at cutting? They were able to just kind of cut off the majority of the supply to him as well. They did well handling that, didn't they? They were that first half is the key why Denmark is playing now on Wednesday versus England. Yeah. Because 
in that in, in stopping a, 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 goal, a goal scorer like Patrick C that he was on a top on a top shape on this Euro for 45 minutes that is what even also disconnected the Czech Republic and also uh, we are we I'm reminding uh, we every 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 Euro need, they need to have one of uh, the Czech Republic scorer we had we, we had it with Milan Baros in 2004 and now we are having with Patrick Schick following its steps so I think that the Euro of Patrick Schick has been very good and maybe that can be a, a game changer in his career. Well, yeah, I mean, he's not done his career any harm whatsoever. There are already rumours of clubs sniffing around him. Alex, are you buying it that he could actually be in with a move away from Bayer Leverkusen uh, if this form continues, of course? It's, I mean, I, maybe. I don't, I'm not 100% sure. I don't, top clubs don't really buy from tournaments anymore. Not like yeah. they used to. It's not, the, it's not the shot window that it certainly was like a decade, decade ago or more. But... Um, I think for me, Schick's got West Ham written all over him. He is a <laughs> classic West Ham striker. So, um, yeah, that would be my shout for uh, for his move, maybe this summer or, or in January. Well, who knows? I guess if uh, <laughs> if they um, don't manage to get Lingard and if they let Rice go, they will be in the well, market. They'll for... certainly have a bit of money and you know, they, yeah. they need to back up for Antonio. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think it could work. Who knows? Well, everybody yeah. that's listening, you know, keep your eyes peeled on that one. You could be up to something <laughs> there. Um, you know, and, and finally, just uh, one last, you know, remark on, on Denmark. Alejandro, do you think, again, you're your loyalty to your nation aside, could Denmark seriously recreate Euro 92 here? Uh, why not really? I saw last, 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 uh, last, year, last days I saw a tweet where they said Denmark in the Euro 92, they have a Michael on the goalkeeper. They didn't have the starting, the, the starter t- uh, 10 player. And they had a Christensen, a Christiansen, a Jensen, an Andersen, <laughs> and one Paulsen. <laughs> And now Denmark in the Euro 2020, they have a Schmeichel on the goalkeeper. They don't have his starting 10 and they have a Christensen, a Christiansen, a Jensen, <laughs> an Andersen and a Paulsen. There so you go. <laughs> maybe the situation they have, they, the, the situation is now ready for another, another dream summer of 1992, 20, 29 years after. You know what? You've got me on board now with that little <laughs> nugget of information. This is written in the stars. It's happening. It's This is it. Well, hopefully it's not it because we're going to talk about England now, of course, who beat the Ukraine 4-0. Um, England produced, you know, a, a pretty great display um, in the victory. Now, people have complained that England have been more getting the job done rather than, you know, doing a Spain and providing people with some entertainment. Alex, do you think that that maybe changed in the Ukraine game? Yeah, one hundred percent. It was um, it was a very strange feeling being an England fan on Saturday night. I'm not going to lie. Um, I don't think I've ever watched an England game that was so stress free. To be yeah. honest, it's so <laughs> enjoyable. It was um, it was remarkable how in control they were. Um, I mean, it obviously helped that they got the goal early on, but but even midway through the first half, when Ukraine, you know, they had probably had like two or three chances. I never felt like England were in trouble, which which is not something well something I very rarely before. Um, yeah, and I think that probably says everything about how well Southgate has done. Really, creating a new culture within the squad where there's no panicking, they're sort of taking everything in their stride. Um, 
it's just very un-English and it's very weird. <laughs> um, I agree. So yeah, it was um, yeah, it was a it was a great Saturday night. I was working the game and it was um, it was easy. I, I hate to say give say that word, but yeah, it was um, it was very very easy, which was strange. I agree. Very very strange feeling to have as an England fan. I mean, Alejandro, do you think it's safe to say that the Ukraine unfortunately didn't really offer much regarding a threat? Yeah, but really, Ukraine, they presented with a team that they were kids almost. They are, they are a team that has many players who were the, the world champions on the under-20 world champion World Cup uh, two years ago. And they are a team that they are developing. So really, arriving to the quarterfinals, it's a victory for them. But when you are facing a team like England, that they have top, top 10 players everywhere in the pits, it's not that you don't you don't have to offer so much. It's that the reality uh, pushes you back uh, uh, very strongly. Yeah, I agree. I mean, on the whole, it, it has been, I'm sure it's been a great experience for um, the Ukraine. There are another team that have really impressed across the board. Alex, how good has it been to see other teams get this far rather than it just be, you know, the regular ones that everybody yeah. kind of predicts? I, I think... I've been one of these people, but the twenty, you know, the twenty fourteen tournament has come in for some criticism, and I think quite rightly so. But I think one of the up, one of the upsides for that is that you're you're going to get a few surprises. Um, and it, but you're right; they have been really, really impressive at points over the past few weeks, and I think they they certainly deserve a lot more praise than they've been getting over the past day or two. I know they. England sort of battered them really and they rolled over but I think um, that was really just a case of them coming up against a side that was better than them in all areas um, but throughout the tournament they've you know they've been impressive they've, they and they'll always have that winning win against Sweden in the last round to look back on you know that last minute last minute extra time win so um, yeah for them to get to the quarterfinals is um, yeah huge for a country like Ukraine with with um, you know a proud football in history but not like a proud record in tournaments. So, um, yeah, they've they've been really, really impressive. And Shevchenko, I think, has done a, done a great job. Yeah, they have. And, and I'm happy that they, uh, they've they got as far as they, they did. I'm happy that they didn't beat us also. Um, <laughs> now, you know what? I've got to do a bit of a shout-out here to Mr. Luke Shaw. He was brilliant, especially with that free kick that found Harry Maguire's giant forehead. Um, and then that cross that was headed in by Harry Kane. Alejandro, Luke Shaw has certainly silenced Mr. Jose Mourinho, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he has silenced him, really. Uh, Jose, maybe, but maybe Jose is happy that he has seen Luke Shaw performing so good, really. The, the, that Luke Shaw is, is on a very good save, he's very good for England and for and for his team, and it's... You, you cannot say it only, but only good words about uh, Luke, Luke performances. Yeah, I'm really happy to see it. I think as a United fan, I remember that leg break. Um, I've remembered a lot of the trolling that he's got about his body image and stuff. And you know what? At full time, when he whipped his shirt off and was walking, chatting with Harry Kane, I was like, you know what, Shaw? Good <laughs> yeah. for you. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you know, do, do, do you. Live your best life. I was really kind of happy. And I love the way that he spoke about Mourinho. And he was kind of saying like... It was almost kind of like, you know, if an ex is still talking about you, he was like, oh, I don't know why he's so obsessed with me, but whatever. Like, <laughs> I really enjoyed his response. Um, since the game, Mourinho has given some slight praise, um, kind of just said that he's he's playing better. Now, 
Alex, are you enjoying the mudslinging or does Mourinho just need to let this one go? Um, I'm not enjoying it at all, to be honest. Um, I actually think it's quite embarrassing. For mm, me, I was really, going to say really, that. And really, really undignified. Um, I mean, I don't think it's too strong a word to say that he bullied Luke Shaw during his time at Man United. Yeah. Um, and I think to keep on making pot shots in the media... After all just, this time as yeah, well. Yeah, after all this time. is, And, you know, he's been at two well now two different clubs since then I think um it's just a bit tragic really and like you just said there work good on Luke Shaw for turning things around because he was excellent on Saturday and you know going into the tournament I would probably I would have argued that Ben Chilwell was probably the sort of first choice um obviously Kieran Trippier played left back in the first game which is a bit bit of a surprise but um that's Luke Shaw's position now. I, he'll start at the semi-final. If we, and if we do get to the final, I'd bet that Luke Shaw starts the final as well. Um, and good on him, really. I think um, the way he's bounced back has been um, yeah, been brilliant. And, and I know this isn't a club football podcast, but that also says something about how well Solskjaer... Um, mm. sorry, yeah, Solskjaer's done with, um, with his man management and just yeah. obviously arm around the shoulder type stuff. So, no, good on Luke Shaw. It was a very, really good performance on Saturday. And, uh, yeah, let's hope it continues, really. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it says a lot about what's going on in Manchester with him and and just props to him, like you say, there's been so many times when this guy has been knocked down and he keeps getting up. So yeah, I was yeah, very exactly. happy to see it. Also, we saw Jordan Henderson score his first international goal. Alejandro, it was good to see him get on the score sheet, wasn't it? Of course, really. Uh, Jordan, I think Jordan Henderson is for the Liverpool fans the the, the, the kind of player. For example, uh, Marcelo is for Real Madrid fans. Yeah. He's one of the most important players. He's so generous. He's always looking the best for the team. So that he scores a goal with the national team, you only need uh, you you only need to feel not 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 just uh, happiness because it's. A, a, a good guy and good guys deserves good things definitely i i agree it's nice to see good people yeah good people get good things i like that definitely another good person to get a good thing really is uh, mr jordan pickford england have kept well it depends if you think he's is a good person depending which side of merseyside you're on but <laughs> um, you know england have managed to keep hold of their fifth successive clean sheet um and this is a new record at the euros in you know like a single competition of course we have jordan pickford to thank um i was concerned i'll be honest i was concerned about him going into this tournament but he just looks laser focused i love watching his facial expressions he's so up for it alex how impressed have you been i mean so impressed and also so surprised um because i was similar to you in that before the tournament, goalkeeper was my biggest concern um, and probably the reason I didn't see England getting much further than the quarterfinals. Um, but he is—he has been a player reborn and just looks so comfortable in an England shirt as opposed to how heavy the Everton shirts look on him at times this season. It's its a sort of total reverse of what we, what we normally see with England players. But Pickford just seems to go to another level when he's playing for England. And like you said, just laser-focused. He's, he's sort of... He, he's up for games, but he's not too up for games. He's making smart decisions. He's making good saves. And once again, I think that says something about Southgate's man management. He he obviously said to Pickford before the tournament, you're my man. Go and prove me right. Um, and he absolutely has. I think, um, yeah, he's been... And, well, the clean sheets just tell you everything you need to know, really, don't they? That's... Um, yeah, he's been he's been brilliant. And 
arguably alongside Sterling, England's player of the tournament, I think. He's been, um, yeah, he's been brilliant. He really has. And I'm just really happy to uh, to see him do well. I mean, over the years, goalkeepers have been a weak spot for England, let's be honest. No disrespect to any of these men. Um, but, you know, Paul Robinson against Croatia in the Euro 2008 qualifiers, I think it was. Then Scott Carson at the same qualifiers when Robinson got swapped out. Joe Hart at Euro 2016, Rob Green at the World Cup in 2010, David James against Austria. I could go on and on. I'm sure there's probably a few more. But Alejandro, could it be that England, and again, no disrespect to those other people, but do England finally have a competent goalkeeper? I think so. I think England has found a goalkeeper that it fits perfectly on the England's goalpost. Really, it's curious because uh, Jordan Pickford, he's probably he's not the best goalkeeper of the Premier League. He's not even the best player of Everton, but when it comes to England, he becomes the, the best man of, of the team and the best goalkeeper of the tournament. So it's curious that it we have seen in, in a few goalkeepers in the history of international football. For example, I remember now, uh, this, for example, Muslera from Uruguay. It's a goalkeeper that is the same when on, on club football he's not so good, but when it comes to Uruguay he's very good. And I think that uh, Jordan Pickford can follow their steps and lead England to get important achievements in the future. We are talking maybe about the, sorry for the term, the best, worst goalkeeper in the world. <laughs> you know what? I'm not mad at that. I'll take that. 100%. No, uh, please, don't, 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 don't let me be mis- misunderstood. I, I, I know I what you mean. It. Yeah. Yeah, you're, I know exactly what you mean. It's no, no disrespect to Pickford, but that is, that's kind of right what you're saying because as, you know, we've just said, going into the tournament, he was one of the people I was the most nervous about. Um, so the fact that he can, he's pulled it together, massive round of applause for him because, yeah, it's it's definitely great to see. And another player, um, you know, that had a great game was Harry Kane. He got two goals. People were getting, again, myself included, but were getting very frustrated by Kane at the beginning. A lot of people questioning if he should be starting. But Gareth Southgate has stuck with him and it's paid off. Should we maybe have a little bit more faith in this manager? Um, I mean, we should, absolutely. I'll be honest. I was one of those people. um, I don't want to get sucked in though and start having trust in him and then he Uh, ruins it. (laughs) No, I was was one of those people. I thought, I think it's fair to say that in the group games, definitely, although Kane, you know, Kane didn't score and that, that can be fine if your overall play is good and you're offering something. But I didn't think he was, and I, and I think that's fair to say. You know, he was coming too deep for the ball. He was he was just getting into strange areas where he couldn't really affect the play, and he just wasn't really offering that first line of the press, which is you know it's so important to England and the way they play. But um, I mean, it's all changed since that Germany goal, really, hasn't it? I think that's obviously woken something in him, and um, and and on Saturday he was brilliant. He looked like Harry Kane as for Tottenham. His movement was excellent. The way he linked with Sterling was amazing. He was just always in the right place to affect affect things and just affect the game, and um, it was proper chalk and cheese stuff, really, from the way he was in in the group games. So, we should have some more faith. Um, but yeah, I think that that Germany goal just um has really sort of given him confidence again, I guess. And um, yeah, he's I mean, you now look at him, and like I said earlier, he could probably he might or is in line to be the top goal scorer in the tournament. So, um, yeah, it's um it's remarkable how quickly it can change around, really. 
fingers crossed for him. I mean, <laughs> Alejandro, do you think it was just a case of Kane maybe just needed to grow into the tournament and find his feet and maybe that's why he wasn't looking so good in the group stage? Uh, for sure, really, strikers, what they need is a, a, sh a moments of shape. Uh, we have seen that maybe they can take a few more games or less, but uh, finally they arrive. And with Harry Kane, we, 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 have, we have checked it. Harry Kane, he started the first, the first, the group stage on a not, on a not, not very good shape, but he was uh, decisive in the game versus Germany. He scored two goals in against Ukraine, uh, showing how much quality does he have, and now he's ready to see maybe the to be maybe the top scorer of England that they are going to take to take him to win the Euros. Oh, if only that would be <laughs> the dream. Now, there's there's one player you know in this England squad. This may be a little bit controversial, but you know Marcus Rashford was also on the pitch. Um, I think it's safe to say that we've maybe not seen the Marcus Rashford that we're used to. I think obviously, you know, he's not had as, as much game time due to other players simply, you know, performing so well. We all know he's suffering from a shoulder injury. God knows what else after his monologue after the um the Europa League final, you know, for Manchester United. Um I personally feel like he shouldn't have gone to this competition. Alex, am I being a little bit harsh on him? I'm not saying he's terrible. But I just think um, he maybe should have gone and had the surgery and made sure he was good to go for Qatar, perhaps. But at the same time, I think if it's up for grabs, Man United hat on there, have I got my Man United hat on? Because, <laughs> I, because mean, I don't know. That's obviously a decision between him and Southgate, right? Yeah. If he says he's fit, he's fit. And there's not much you can do about that. I agree with you. I don't think he is fit. And I think he probably, in the grand scheme of things, he probably shouldn't have gone. It might affect his career later on. But... It's his decision, and he's gone. But I think, it, from an England perspective, I mean, it says a lot about England's options going forward that he's not right, and it just hasn't affected the team. Yeah, um, which is re remarkable to how things have gone in the past with England and half-fit key players. Um, you know, before this tournament, Rashford was probably more than Sterling with Kane nailed on as a starter. Mm. Um, and he hasn't performed, and it hasn't really mattered. Which I, which I think, if you're looking in the big, on the bigger picture, that's um, that's remarkable, really, how England have sort of have got that many options. Where having Marcus Rashford, one of the best young young forwards in Europe, not fit and not available, it hasn't, yeah, it hasn't really been been an issue. Which is, um, yeah, which is amazing. But I, yeah, I do agree with you. I I think he probably should have gone and got that surgery because it probably will affect him. Um, mm. it certainly will affect him next season. That might affect his chances of not making the squad for the World Cup as well. So, yeah, long term, I think mm. that, that might be an issue. But I guess at the same time, if there's potentially, you know, a medal and a trophy up for grabs, you're not going to say, well, no, are but, you? So yeah, I can't yeah, be exactly, mad at him. Yeah. But, yeah, I think had things been different and maybe had Sterling not have been as as brilliant as he has been, and we would have maybe seen more of Rashford and maybe some of his weaknesses had been highlighted more, I think then it probably would have been a problem. And yeah, I can only yeah, imagine the media yeah. circus. So yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's good that they've managed to, um, you know, pr protect him in a way and that he's not really had to highlight maybe some of his weaknesses. But you know what? I hope that he proves me completely wrong and I hope he manages. <laughs> I hope he scores a hat trick against Denmark. But yeah, for me, I was just a little bit like... I get why he's there, but I also would have understood if he didn't travel as well. Um, yeah. But, I mean, Kane and Sterling are 
pretty much cemented in their positions, that's safe to say. Um, You know, the right wing has had a lot of movement. And Alejandro, we saw Jadon Sancho in that position against Ukraine. What did you make of his performance? Uh, the thing I make about his performance is why didn't he was a starting a starting player in the games before? Because really, Jadon Sancho, when he was coming attacking the Ukrainian area, he was a trouble for Ukrainian defenders. He was maybe one of the best players of England during the game. So it's, it's I don't I still don't understand why Gareth Southgate they he was forcing to to make to put Sancho on the bench. And he didn't allow him to play and and let the talent ride in the in in the pits. Mm. I I mean I, I disagree with you, Ali. I I can understand that, especially when Bukayo Saka has been playing as well as he has. I think Bukayo Saka offers more defensively than, than Sancho does. Um, and I think in in the certainly against Germany, um, that was what we needed. I, I I admit he did play well against Ukraine. I mean, we'll get to this, I'm sure, in a minute, but I would be surprised if Sancho plays against Denmark, to be honest. Um, I think now that Saka's back fit, I, I think he'll he'll probably start. But, um, I mean, we can't really have a go at Southgate, can we? He's been, like, vilified... Uh, sorry, he's been vindicated in every every decision he's made so far. So, although it probably would have been nice to see Sancho earlier, every single turn, he's made the right decision. So... In that sense, I understand you, and I and I and I know that you like to put a more defensive frame for for more important things. But really, having the talent of Sancho in the bench is for for England for for the fans of football is so. Please free Sancho. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I I get what you mean. I think especially, I think it would have been nice to have seen him maybe in those group games. Um, but I also I. I I get both sides because it's like, I am also, I want to see Jaden Sancho on the pitch, but you can't really be mad at, it, at Southgate because like you say, Alex, you know, he's the, the job, he's still managed to get the job done. And, yeah. you know, Bakayo Saka is, you know, living his best life, riding a inflatable unicorn <laughs> in a swimming pool on social media, so <laughs> which was fantastic by the way um and i think all my um arsenal friends perhaps for their birthdays i will get that put on a birthday card for them because <laughs> it, it was brilliant um <laughs> now obviously we have got two massive semi-final games so i thought we'd just have a quick chat about them a few predictions i mean looking at italy against spain alex spain you know, they also needed extra time to defeat Croatia in the last 16, as well as their quarterfinal game. Are we going to be in for another roller coaster against Italy? I, I mean, uh, totally. Got, uh, well, I'm a neutral in this. Yeah. So I, I'm, I think it's going to be an absolutely brilliant game, and I honestly can't wait. Um, I'm not sure it's going to be the goal fest like we've seen in some games so far, but um, yeah, it's going to be. Like in such an intriguing game between two brilliant teams, so um, yeah, I think maybe Ale should uh, should answer that really because I'm sure it'll be a roller coaster for him. Yeah, for sure. Really, uh, Spain and Italy games they are they are always roller coasters. It's the derby of the Mediterranean. Is the it's a game where we we knew we knew very well both teams. We have faced it in every competition in every in every tournament, and we know what are the weaknesses and 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 strong points of of each other. So, a roller coaster is is warranted is is warranted in in Spain, Italy. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I love that Mediterranean derby as well. It sounds so fancy to me. <laughs> um, 
I mean, Alejandro, what kind of threat would you say, and obviously Alex, feel free to chip in as well, um, what kind of threat do each team probably pose to each other? Uh, probably the threat of Spain, I will say that is the control of the ball and how they manage to create game in the midfield. I think the, the threat for Spain for a game like this can be players as uh, Busquets, Pedri, even Marcos Llorente can be a, 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 so, a so important threat for for Italy. But uh, on the other hand, Italy, they have a, one of the strongest attacks of the tournament. Uh, I think that is the biggest problem of Spain. Uh, they, they will need to stop uh, three players like, for example, Federico Chiesa, uh, Chile Immobile and Lorenzo Insigne that they are uh, maybe the best attack in the Euros. So it's going to be very complicated, but 90 minutes can happen everything. Very true. I mean, you know, looking at Spain, they we've seen them, you know, monopolise the, the possession. Alex, and again, Alejandro, feel free to chip in as well, but... Um, Alex, how do you see them dealing with Italy? I mean, I imagine it will be a similar way this time, to be yeah. honest. I think um, they've averaged the most possession out of any team in the tournament. Um, I read earlier it's 63% from five games. So, yeah, I mean, I, you'd imagine that Luis Enrique would want to dominate the ball again. I, I think in Pedri, Coque and Busquets, they've got, they've got three brilliant midfielders who have, who have performed really well so far. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Jorginho, Verratti and Barella, who I imagine is the three that will play, will try and sort of kill their passing lanes and, and cut the supply to the, to the Spanish attack. Um, that's going to be where the game's won and lost for me. That, that 3v3 in midfield is going to be so, so interesting to watch. It's, yeah, it's a game that I really, really can't wait for, I've got to be honest. Yeah, I, I agree. It is going to be exciting. Um, I mean, Alejandro, feel free to touch on that as well, but another question I wanted no, to ask I, you... I, I, I know I, I Spain always tends to just monopolize, but in this case, Italy, they also, this Italy likes to have the ball. They like to have the control with the ball. So it's going to be very difficult also for, for us when, for, when Italy has the ball, because uh, uh, to the, uh, to the, uh, differently from other, other Italian national teams, this one enjoys having the ball and they have players that they like to have the ball. So I see it very, 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 very equalized in that sense. Mm. Do you worry about fitness at all? Because obviously Spain have now played more minutes than any other team left in the competition, Alejandro. <sighs> Probably, maybe in that case, that that could be that could be a huge uh, a huge uh, counterpoint. But for for Spain, I think they they can they are recovering well. They are they are feeling well. The team spirit is so huge that is very important. So um, I think that the fitness they will arrive, the the twenty three they will have uh, Luis Enrique will have, uh, they will arrive in one hundred percent to fight for everything. Yeah, I th- I think definitely um, that's a, that's a good point about the the spirit and all of that type of stuff. I mean. Talking about Italy, how much of a miss, Alex, will Leonardo Spinazzolo be for Italy? Because, you know, he seemed to go down with what looked like a serious Achilles injury. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, as far as I'm aware, he's going to be out for six months, which is um, horrendous, really. And that's going to be huge, huge miss for them. I think he's probably been their breakout star, um, probably been the tournament's breakout star, I'd say. And he offers so much down that right-hand channel. Um Looks like Di Lorenzo is probably going to come in for him, and um, and although he is a good player, um, that's a definite downgrade in my opinion. So 
I think if Spain are going to try and play on that weakness, um, and whoever they put out on that left hand side is, um, yeah, going to have a bit, a bit more of an easier night than they would do if uh, Spinazzola was there. So, yeah, that's um, that's going to be a huge, huge miss for them. Really, really huge. Yeah, I, I mean, apart from him, um, maybe looking more at the the Spanish side, Alejandro. But are you expecting any major changes in the starting 11s? Probably the absence of Pablo Sarabia, that will be one of the key points. And I don't know if Luis Enrique will change the system. He will swap from a 4-3-3 to a 4-4-2, adding one more midfielder in the in the in the in the pits. But I think probably he will go with a 4-3-3. I think he will go with all the all the ten players that they will not fit. And maybe the only question is on the on the attack. Maybe I think it can be the time to see. Uh, Dani Olmo or even uh, uh, or even Gerard Moreno a uh, forming attack for Spain too. Mm. Yeah, as it a, will as be interesting. Mm. Interesting to see who he goes for. Um, I mean, from both of you, I'd, you know, Alejandro, especially, you know, have, have you got a prediction? Because I mean, I'm terrible with making decisions anyway, so I'm not <laughs> the best with predictions. But both of you, I mean, I would love to hear your predictions for the game. Go on, Ale, you go first. Uh, with with my heart? Yes. I will say Spain <laughs> advances through a, a, on, on the extra time. Oh, you want more extra time? I like it. Yeah. I, I was, I <laughs> was going to say Italy my, extra time. Ooh, Italy but extra with, time. My, with my head, I will say Italy. That is the one oh. who advances. Maybe, maybe on the extra time. Yeah. Oh, I see. I, I kind of agree. I feel like... Looking at that Italy team, I'm not 100% convinced if Spain can stop them. But then I also just cannot write Spain off from doing something crazy. I don't know. Oh, But I think I would probably go with an Italy win. But I'm still going to be rooting for Spain to cause a bit of mayhem. Definitely. Um, I mean, talking about England versus Denmark now, finally. Um, you know, Alejandro, we've just spoken about it. I think I know your answer to this question. And I know, I think I know your answer as well, Alex. Um, but is Jaden Sancho starting on the right wing for you, Ali? I want him to start. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'm in agreement, but I also get maybe where you're coming from, Alex, in that he maybe won't. Yeah, I don't. I, I personally don't think he will. Um, I he was he was he was good against Ukraine, but Ukraine didn't offer much, and I think Denmark are um, are a different side. Um, and now Saka is sort of as long as he completes training, which as far as I'm aware he has done today, um, I think he'll he'll come back in. Yeah, um, and that'll just offer a bit more sort of solidity and shape uh, defensively I think and mm. then maybe bring Sancho on last 20 minutes or something like that but yeah I'd imagine that Saka mm. will start um, and obviously Mason Mount returned to the England side that beat Ukraine um, Alex again do you think he should be starting what did you make of his performance um, to be honest I was slightly unsure about his inclusion really before the Ukraine game but, mm. but just because he'd done so well against Germany in Czech Republic whilst um, he'd been out but I thought he was because we've done so well whilst he's been out, but I thought he was superb again on Saturday, and I think he thoroughly deserves to be in the starting eleven. I think it's quite obvious that Southgate trusts him implicitly. Um, you know, he was he got well, he didn't get COVID. He was around Billy Gilmore, mm. so he was sort of about to isolate. But as soon as he was available, Southgate picked him again. So yeah, I would be I'd be absolutely shocked if Southgate didn't uh, didn't play him tomorrow. 
Yeah, and w- what was your opinions on um, the Jack Grealish situation, Alejandro? W- what are your thoughts on him in the tournament so far? And again, Alex, feel free to give us your uh, opinion as well. I'm also missing more of Jack Grealish, really, mm. a player with, with a talent like him. He, he cannot be on the bench so much time. I know that now we are coming to the decisive stages, and I know Gareth Southgate has a plan and he wants to develop it and plans that it comes with a, a strong defense, not not conceding goals, but please put Jack Reels on the pitch. <laughs> that is what I ask you. I, I mean, I, I'm I before the tournament, I was sort of greenish all the way. I love greenish. I think he's amazing and he's such a fun player to watch. But you just, I can't sort of go against what Southgate's done. Really, we've he's every decision he's made has been correct. So. Um, I don't. Again, I don't think he'll start tomorrow, but I think he might be one of the players to come on. You know, if the game sort of opens up with half an hour to go or whatever, um, and he, you know, he can win fouls. He's he's very good in tight spaces. So, yeah, I, I think he'll be on the bench again tomorrow. But I, yeah, I'd, I'd expect to see him at some point in the game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, looking at these two teams, Alex, what kind of threat do you think each team are going to pose? Um, well, I think we saw on Saturday just what Denmark can do, really, when they're given space down the flanks. I thought um, Joachim Mela, um, and a big thanks to my friend Rue there for the Danish pronunciation lesson earlier today. <laughs> um, I thought he was superb down the left. Um, and, you know, that, there was that great cross um, for the second goal. Um, so I think Southgate is probably going to have a decision to make about who plays either right back or right wing back if he does go for a back three like he did against Germany. Um yeah, I, like I said, I think Sacco might play, and if he does play three at the back, then Sacco might come up right right wing back. But the bit, to be honest, the biggest thing for me is seeing how England react if they go a goal down or if Denmark get a late equaliser. Um, they haven't had to deal with that up to this point. Um, you know, this is not how England perform at tournaments normally. We <laughs> scrap through; it's a roller coaster. Yeah, you know, you're normally watching that clock with half an hour to go, wondering why it's taking so long, and you know, your heart's beating three times as fast just to like make up for it. Um, it this tournament hasn't been like that, so it's going to be really, really interesting to see how that team reacts to any sort of potential diverse um, and potential adversity. Adversity. Um, um, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Horrible, but it'll be fascinating. To watch. Of course, um, <laughs> and I mean, you know, looking at that England team on on paper, Alejandro, a lot of people will assume England, you know, to be the favourites. Um, you know, us fans were desperate for a final, but Denmark are not to be underestimated, right? Of course, really, you cannot underestimate a team that arrives to the semi finals. Uh, I, I pro- here we are talking that. England is the favorite, of course. There is no discussion about it. But Denmark is not in the semi-finals because they arrived, luckily, no, no, no. They have worked a lot to arrive to the semi-finals. They have overcome a huge dif- difficulties and they have fight for it. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that Denmark is going to be is going to put the red carpet to England to go to the final. No, they are going to fight and they will try. If they can complicate F- England, they will do it. They will. I, I'm I'm nervous. I'm not going to lie. But guys, can I get some predictions from you both? I think England will concede their first goal of the tournament. No. I think Denmark will go 1-0 up. And I think England will win 2-1. That'll be my prediction. Okay. Yeah, in normal time, I think. I hope so anyway, Jesus. I go for a 2-0 for England. 
Yes, I, I like I, that. <laughs> We're back I, in Jordan hope, Pickford. I hope that the final is England Spain. That, oh, that is the that that will be the best deal for all, for all of us in the table. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say. I mean, obviously, I am predicting an England win. I really want Jordan Pickford to hold on to this clean sheet situation. I'm not sure if he will, but I'm going to go with my heart and I'm oh god no one no, no Angelina you need to be honest with yourself I'm gonna go I'm gonna go 3-1 three, 3-1 one, three, one. that's that's what I would like uh, well I'd like to see 3-0 but 3-1 I can deal with but um but yeah thank you to both of you for chatting and like I say hopefully over the next two days um none of us will be crying we'll all have big smiles on our faces and then we will all well I don't know, me and Alex may have to become your, you know, <laughs> arch rivals for a little bit, Alejandro. Maybe we won't speak, I'm not too sure. Um, oh, please. No, 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 really. The only time we need to be rivals is during the 90 minutes. Before okay. and after. Before and after, we're all friends. Want. Yeah, okay, perfect. Yeah. Well, let's hope that that's the situation and that we have a Spain-England final, but it will certainly be a very exciting two games uh, two days even with these two games and these oh I just cannot wait these amazing semi-finals so that is it for this week's Euro 2020 podcast as always a big thank you to my guests to Alejandro and to Alex and to all of you for listening if you do want to get in touch it is podcast at onefootball.com and make sure that you check us out on Apple Music Spotify SoundCloud etc wherever you listen to your podcast to hear more from us 